0: Having a vindicated men's breakfast group that's going to take place at 6:30 on Tuesday mornings. We're in four weeks, and I will be cooking. So, if you want food poisoning, I mean, <laughs> if you want some breakfast casserole and hang out with my my good friend Eric Scam and I, we're going to be doing that. And uh, I just think you'd be blessed to have it. So, inviting all men Tuesday morning at 6:30, vindicated men's. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you have your Bibles, we're in Matthew chapter 23. And I get to kick off a new series today, one I'm really, really excited for. I'm calling this one, Great Minds Think Alike. Uh, this is something God's put You consider to be as I said. So, you know, the things that God considers to be great might not be the things you consider to be great. And, you know, sometimes we get these ideas about what's, what's great in the kingdom of God, and I just wanted to highlight things that God really cares about, what's, what's great in His eyes. I want to read Matthew 23. I'm going to read verse 11 and 12, and then we're going to pray. Here's what the scriptures say. Uh, Jesus said this, he who is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, let's pray. Father, this morning, we just thank you for the scriptures which are life-giving and encouraging, and I pray, Lord, for Years to hear. I pray, Lord, that we be fired up, expectant, ready to receive all that you have for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. Uh, you know, I have spent the last eight weeks coaching second and third graders in flag football. And, um, you know, I actually enjoyed it very much. It kind of reminded me of like my old playing days at Elder Grove Elementary. Mm-hmm. I was obsessed with sports. I love playing football, basketball, baseball. And I'm not lying. I'm not bragging to myself. I was the best basketball and football player from the first grade all the way to the fourth grade. Because, I'm not, I'm not lying. I was good. Uh, but in the fifth grade, that year, the Laurel school system had like a teacher strike. And we got an influx of kids from Laurel. And one of my friends, a kid named Chris Beery, came over. And, and then he became the best basketball player. <laughs> I was never able to beat him. He was a foot taller than me. Uh, And it it was a shock to me, man. I I, I was doing great until that guy showed up. You know, oftentimes we are tempted to think that the best preachers have the biggest churches uh, or that the best Christians are the most popular people, when in fact size and influence may not be the best indicators of greatness. Actually, the scripture says that it's something else. And so I just want to do a little study as we work our way through things that God says are great. Hear what he says in verse 11. This is the words of Jesus, that he who's the greatest among you shall be your servant. The greatest in the kingdom is the person who takes the low seat as a servant. In the kingdom of God, greatness is discovered, it's found in servanthood. That's the distinguishing characteristic that sets you apart. If you really want to be considered great, In God's kingdom, you you learn how to become the least a servant. You learn how to minister to people, love on people. And the thing that, you know, about Jesus, he, he didn't just say these words, he lived that life. I mean, he was the one who came to seek and save that which was lost. He laid his life down just before he's crucified on a journey to the cross. He's washing the feet of Stinky fisherman. I mean, he lived it, he modeled it, he demonstrated it. He's the perfect example of a servant leader. That's one of the things that we love about him so much. You know, as I've um, grown in life, I've, I've made some observations about leaders, uh, about relationships with people, uh, about, you know, just people in general. And when it comes to, you know, the, the, their, their ability to lead, or their ability to be servants. And I've discovered that the greatest spouses, the greatest husbands and wives are servants. Did you hear that, Elizabeth? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't brag on my wife, Elizabeth, man. She's a great servant. She takes care of me. How many know it's not easy to take care of me? She does a good job. She's willing to, willing to put up with me, and I'm so grateful I'm married to a servant. You know, when, when, um, when you think about uh, being a man, you a plug your husband, learn, learn, you, it's all about servant leadership which is another reason we can give you a plug here for our Vindicated Men's Breakfast group, because we'd love to have, you want to learn how to be a servant? Come on out, man. We're working on that. We want to grow together. We want to be better men. We want to be servant leaders in our families. And, you know, I found that the best parents are servants. I mean, that's why we've been coaching second and third graders flag football with Pastor David and I, I mean, because it's something. I watch, I watch people who want to be involved in their kid's life, and, you know, that takes a certain level of servanthood. You're going to have to make the effort. You're going to have to put the time in. You're going to have to come down on their level. And that that's parenting. And it's just all part of being a servant in, in someone's life. You know, that the, uh, the truest of friends are not Facebook friends. The truest of friends are servants. And, you know, we just did this amazing funeral yesterday for Nan Edmonds. What a sweet woman. And I watched as people came out just to serve because they were touched. They... They wanted to be a blessing. And I mean, man, we had people here just, just volunteering their time, their efforts. And what a blessing that is to just be useful to the Lord and bless somebody because you love them. You want to be a servant. And I think the thing I've discovered in, in church is people really grow in the things of God is they want to be used by God. They want to be servants. It's people, if they're given the opportunity, they really love the Lord. They want to be in that capacity where they're serving and being a blessing in the life of somebody. It's a real thing. I found that the most fruitful Christians... Are servants. They love to serve people. And I remember when I was in India, I met a man. You, you know, you, you'll never probably meet the man, never hear about him. But he was one of the most humble, faithful, loyal, servant-minded people in India. You can't have large churches in certain parts of it because the Hindu government has cracked down so hard. And this man goes to you know places he's established in home groups with three, four, five people all across Delhi, uh, in the area he's at, and and. He, he does it with threats to his family, but he's a servant. He's humble. And I'm telling you, that gives me this idea of, of, of greatness. I looked at that man. His name is Hanuk. And I thought, man, this guy is great in the kingdom of God. And, and heaven's going to reveal the rewards that are be given to him. It was greatness just, just seeing him. And I, I saw, I guess what I would just describe as some indicators of greatness. So I'm going to give you three indications of greatness just reading through Matthew 23. I'm sure there's more. But as I was pondering this passage of Scripture, as I was reading through it, three characteristics or three distinguishing marks really stuck out to me. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, if you really want to understand what it means to be a servant, I want to have you back up to verse number five, and I want to highlight some of these these indications. Jesus said this. He said, all their works they do to be seen by men. And, you know, he's speaking here to the Pharisees who were the religious leaders of his day, he said they make their phylacteries broad. You know, a phylactery is a little square box that they would wear on their forehead that contained uh, parchments and little pieces of scripture. So he said these guys want to stick that right in their forehead so everybody can kind of see it protruding off of their head. He said they enlarge the borders of their garments. That's, that's the, the uh, talis that are on the bottom of their robes. They, they, they wanted everything to be prompt and put, and they're doing it. You know, to be seen by men, he said they love the best places at the feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, and they love greetings in the marketplace where people can say rabbi to them. They they love the titles. They love the position. Here's what I've discovered about the greatest people in the kingdom of God, is that they carry with them a deep sense of security. Because when people have security in their life, they're not looking for recognition, that they're not after titles. They're not enamored with what they're doing. They just are there simply to be a blessing to somebody else. Emotionally secure people are not in search of fanfare. They're not running around trying to gain an audience, trying to be seen by people. And this is what Jesus is exposing about the Pharisees. I mean, you know, Matthew twenty-three. He's coming down hard on them. Matthew twenty-three is. In the middle of Jesus last week on the earth he's, he's given parables to him he, and he's identifying the hypocrisy in this chapter there's eight woes that he pronounced on him because this ruling class of Pharisees had become obsessed, obsessed with external things they're desiring to be you know seen by people, everything about their religion had become external, and nothing was internal about the heart and, and so he's addressing that you know if you're going to have a a deep sense of security in your life. It really does come from you knowing and receiving God's love for your life. Because the love of God, if you really know it, if it's something that's real and genuine to you, is going to take away all fear. That's what the scripture says in 1 John 4. When when you feel deeply loved, it's incredible the sense of of peace, a sense of assurance, a, a deep sense of security that will come into your life. So you're not chasing after things. It's the love of God. And if you've ever experienced that, tasted his love for yourself, man, you can have this great sense of assurance in your salvation. You don't have to work for it, don't have to strive for it. And it's not just this intellectual side of like, oh, I know I'm saved. I mean, you can really have a witness, a direct witness from the Holy Spirit that gives you a great sense of God's peace and his love for you. And if you've ever encountered that, Man, I'll tell you what it does for you is it gives you this, this sense of, of gratitude and appreciation so that serving becomes easy and natural because you're secure and rooted in the love of God. It just becomes something that's natural. You're just looking for ways to give back to God for how good He's been to you, and it just flows naturally. You can rest in it. You don't got to strive after it. It's not something that you know, it, 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 it is a burden to you. It's, it's just something that flows from the heart of gratitude. But I'm just grateful that the Lord saved me, and I'm secure in that, so I get to serve Him. The thing about secure people is that they don't need to be announced when they're doing something. A true servant is someone who can come in unannounced. You know, I was thinking about Jesus, John 13. He's about to be crucified, and He's just talking to His disciples there at the Last Supper, and then He takes off His outer garment and got down into you know, basically His underwear, and He just starts washing feet of people. I mean, he didn't say what he was going to do. He was totally unannounced in everything he did. He just started washing their feet. And in a moment of stress, he's not declaring what he's about to do. He he just starts doing it naturally, unannounced. I've watched when people sometimes have to announce things they're doing, because really what they're trying to do is get a pat on the back. But if you really are a servant, it's very natural and easy for you to just do something naturally, easy, and, and and step into it. Just just be a blessing to somebody else. You know, I, I remember uh, Barbara Walters. How many remember Barbara Walters? Yeah, she she was a, a news lady, and, and she was doing a uh, expose or a uh, interview with a man named Billy Graham. She said the thing that surprised her most about interviewing Billy Graham. She said, "I've interviewed presidents." I've interviewed powerful people. And, and she was kind of expecting the aura of his personality to overtake her. But she said when he came into the room, he was genuinely interested in who she was. Unannounced, without any pretense, he just came, he listened to her, he talked, he answered her questions, and she said that was such a witness to her about his sincerity. It, it, he, he was, his persona didn't, didn't push her out of the room. It was just natural. Didn't have to have any fanfare with him. You know, when I think about people who are secure, when they really feel the love of God in their life, it becomes deeply satisfying to be a servant to somebody else. It it produces a deep sense of fulfillment and satisfaction in your life. That's the beauty of serving. I mean, there's people who, you know, they love to, to utilize the gifts that God has given. This is what we call the sweet spot of being able to be a servant to somebody. I know people who love to cook. You know, at Christmas, they make me cookies, so don't stop doing that, by the way. First, you know who you are. <laughs> I'll take them cookies. <laughs> that's just a, a gift that's natural. It's, it's a, to be able to serve. You know, I kind of like doing construction projects. And my, uh, I had a neighbor, he just bought a house on our street. He's a police officer. I, I'm really grateful, you know, he is over there. And so he had this tree that was so overgrown. You know, I, I went over there with my chainsaw. We trimmed it up a little bit a couple weeks ago. And and he he was like, well, you know, uh, you know, can I help do something? And I was like, well, sure, someday when I need it. But I said, you know, as long as it's not my own house project, it's really, it's really pretty easy to help somebody else. <laughs> no stress involved with that. It was just a joy for me to be able to bless them, man. I, and I, I got such satisfaction out of that. It's the same thing like coaching, you know, second and third graders that run around like children or chickens with their heads cut off, and you know, David and I were deep. We were, we were working with the kids, man. We were trying to get them to focus and concentrate. And um, the only problem was the ice cream truck came by. So David's like, do you guys want to play football or do you want ice cream? Ice cream! They were jumping around me. (laughs) But we did it because we're (laughs) trying to be servants. It's it's very satisfying. When when it's satisfying to serve people, when it's something natural, when you enjoy it, when you're secure in who you are, I I tell you, it becomes infectious. You become influential. People can see that it's something you're enjoying and it rubs off on people. And that's, that's the beauty of being a servant. In this life that happens and the life to come. Jesus said, you will not lose your reward when you give out a cup of cold water. I mean, just, just, just like, think about the little things that you've done are going to pay greatly in eternity. Some of y'all that have been serving the Lord for years, I mean, think of the rewards that wait servants in heaven. Because Jesus said, this is the greatest among you is someone who knows how to be a servant. Now, let me give you another indication here of greatness in the kingdom of God. And I'm in verse number 12. We read this verse. This is the words of Jesus. He said, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. (coughs) Excuse me. And he who humbles himself is going to be exalted or lifted up. Here's what this tells me that an indication of greatness is an attitude of humility. That means you're unencumbered by your ego. You know, some people have egos that are so big, it's really hard for them because it's like they're just tethered or they're held back. I mean, that that pride in their life can be something that really holds you back from being the servant that you're called to be. And when I was looking at the word humble, one of the ways that it can be defined is that you're ordinary. It's, it's, there's an ordinary approach. You're willing to be a servant. You're just willing to you know, be used in whatever capacity. And, and, and what you're doing in that case is just looking for uh, the grace of God to operate in your life. I, I like what Scripture says, man, it, that God gives grace to the humble. I mean, there's something profound and amazing about God's grace operating through a humble vessel. I'm just trying to teach people how to be useful, fruitful, and effective in the kingdom of God. How many of you want to be used by God in these last days that we're living? I want to be useful to the Lord. And being humble is a huge part of that. I can tell when, whenever I get uh, outside of God's grace or when I step into my pride or ego, one of the indications I can tell... That I'm outside of God's grace is I start to get really frustrated. You know that uh, happens a lot when you're doing construction projects, because <laughs> you end up cutting something the wrong way, or you you know forgot to do something, and you're cutting things. And, and so I've, I've had to learn sometimes if I get too far ahead of myself to slow down and appreciate help when it comes, God's help, God's ideas in my life. There's a great verse in Galatians 2. He said, Paul said, I don't frustrate the grace of God. And one of the ways I tell when I'm outside of God's grace or, or when I start doing things in my own strength is the sense of frustration that comes with it. And if you've got the peace of God, if you've got the grace of God, boy, it should alleviate you from that sense of like annoyance and frustration. It, it, it's just the attitude of a servant and humility in your life. Now, I've made some observations about people who are humble. You know that humble people are people who are not easily offended. If you're someone who's always offended at something, chances are you've got some pride in your life that needs to be dealt with. But humble people, they're not easily offended. Because it gets real easy if you're always offended. And, And it might be that when you're serving, you have unrealistic expectations about people. I watch this all the time. They're serving somewhere, and before you know it, they start getting offended or upset by what someone's doing, rather than just understanding that, man... You know, the, the peace and the grace of God that can come can make it very easy for you. If you're looking at the flaws of other people, you got to remember that you yourself are a person, right? And you make mistakes. And I know what I, as a leader at a church, I, I have every opportunity for people to see things about me. And I try to live transparently and with humility. Because as I was just telling you in front of my wife, there's plenty of things about me that are unflattering. And that, that's people. But if you've got unrealistic expectations, you're going to get frustrated with people. And, and, and someone who's really a servant is not going to be offended or upset or caught up by things because you recognize your own weaknesses as well. You know, the thing about servanthood is so beautiful, it is humble people are the most faithful people. They're, they're faithful in little things, faithful in few. I really believe that faithfulness is the outward manifestation of humility. I'll say that again. Faithfulness is an outward manifestation of humility. A humble person is someone who's faithful in little things. When I think about some of the most faithful people I know, I think about Pastor David, who was back there in the kids' ministry. And that wasn't really his idea. I came to him. I said, David, do you want to be a team player? (laughs) I could use your help with the kids. And, you know, he did. And what's what's amazing about what he did, a friend of his father's told me that David is like the most faithful person. Because he told me the story that when David was about 12 years old, his son wanted to go play with David. He called David, and they had some kind of miscommunication. David thought, he said, wait for me until I come back on the phone. And for 45 minutes, David just sat there with a dead phone. And then his buddy rode up on a bike, and there's David on the phone waiting for him. <laughs> he waited the whole time, drove up from, you know, all the way up to the heights where David was. And, and that right there was a little indication of someone who's really faithful. And I appreciate David. He's, he's been such a blessing in my life just to watch that it rubs off on me, uh, inspires me. Uh, the thing about faithfulness, the thing about humility, it, it, is that God promotes humble people. This it, is the number one thing He's looking for in promotion. He wants people who are humble. Uh, he, he, that's who He lifts up. Humble yourself on the side of the Lord and He will lift you up. That's what the Scriptures say. And there's something about humility that will open up doors of favor. You know, I remember... I was in high school, I got a job at the Laurel Golf Club, and they had a shop back there that was filled with, uh, you know, golf clubs and carts that old ladies would push on the golf course. I mean, just a disaster in there. You couldn't figure stuff out. And so they were looking for people to clean it, and they had no volunteers, but I have this knack for either throwing things away or organizing stuff. It's just a gift. I can't help it. If you want me to come over and throw some things away, I'm your man. So I got that thing cleaned up, and it uh, took me about a day and a half. And the boss was so impressed, he promoted me into the pro shop. All my friends got angry about it. I was the youngest person to be put in there, but he said he was the only willing to do it. You know, humility will do that. It'll open up doors of favor for you. Now, I uh, I would <laughs> I have to tell the other side of the story here because I was going through my notes recently about things God had spoke to me and put in my heart, and I found a, a dream I had last year. And in this dream, the Lord rebuked me because I had this attitude in my heart. He showed me uh, I was feeling insignificant in the work of the ministry. You know, I'm up here in Montana. It's slow. It's quiet. It's not the most populated place. And man, I started the church because David and I, as young men, we had dreams the church would grow immensely. And so I had that carrot dangling before me. And when when it feels like you know you're you're moving along methodically, it feels like man, it's just slow and you're steady. And I, I started feeling very insignificant in what I was doing. And in a dream, the Lord rebuked me. He had one of my overseeing pastors come and totally almost fire me for my attitude. Yeah, that's pride, brother. That's what that's called. I mean, I was feeling filled with this sense of like, I'm not doing anything effective. And what God showed me is that he cares about little things. That's what matters to him. I mean, that hit me between the eyes. And it was amazing because my attitude completely changed. My perspectives changed. And, and all it took was a little humbling and a little correction from the Lord. And man, that has been such a blessing for me. Because so, I, I believe that if you just stay little and stay after it and stay focused and those little things that you're doing and, and keep growing and keep that attitude right, God one day is going to bless you beyond measure. He knows how to promote his people. And if you'll stay humble and stay faithful, you are a candidate for God's promotion. Amen? Amen. Let me give you a third thought here um, about greatness. I'm in verse 25. This is what Jesus said. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites. I mean, he's hitting them hard. He's talking here to the Pharisees as one of the eight woes. He's annoyed by them. He said, you cleanse the outside of the cup in the ditch, but inside, someone say inside, They're full of extortion and self-indulgence. He says again, blind Pharisees, first cleanse the inside of the cup. Someone say inside. Inside. Yeah, that the outside might be clean also. Woe to you. This is one of the two of the eight woes. Scribes and Pharisees, you're like whitewashed tombs, which indeed bear beautiful outwardly, but inside, someone say inside. inside, are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, outwardly you appear righteous, but inside, someone say inside, inside. you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Yeah. Mm. You know, what he's really identifying here in this uh, servanthood role it has to do with the inside of their heart. And what we, what we want to see in, in, in the, an indication of someone who's really great in the kingdom of God is a heart of purity. I like what David said, clean hands and a pure heart. That's what God is after. Servants have clean hearts. You know, the thing about becoming a servant, it has a way of purifying your heart unlike anything else. A unique thing about serving is that it requires and demands a heart that is pure in the eyes of God. And Jesus is exposing the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Uh, He's really hitting them hard on this. You know, the thing about gold, it's refined in the fire. That's where the impurities come out. That's where the dross comes out. And when you become a servant, I'm telling you, that is one of those things that, it, the, the, the the real stuff, the purity of it is going to come to the surface. It's going to be evidenced and seen in your serving. It, it's unique like that. It has, it has a way of purifying things unlike anything else. It, it's servant behavior. That's true of people who are in the ministry, or it's true of people who are just serving in some capacity or just trying to bless your neighbor. It's going to come out in the way you're a servant. At some point, you're going to be confronted when the light Of God shines upon you, and you have to ask yourself, you know, am I serving because, you know, I'm trying to uh, move an agenda? Is there something I'm trying to build? Do I have a ministry I'm trying to do in my own strength? Or or is it something, you know, that that I need approval for? Because you have to ask yourself those questions what was going on in my heart? Why am I serving? And a heart of purity is where these things are revealed. Jesus made some pretty heavy statements, you know, when he's talking to these Pharisees about, what's going on inside their heart as opposed to the outside, because they're so focused on outward things. But if you really want to be a servant, and I'm talking to a room full of people who I know want to serve God. If you want to be a servant, he said you can't have a heart that's full of extortion. I thought that was an interesting word. It means bribery. Extortion means theft, like you're trying to take something. Now, I have done church long enough where I've seen this come up with people. They'll use positions or like they're serving to try to you know, make room for themselves. I remember one time I was interning with a young man, and he was given the opportunity to preach. And he was kind of offended with the pastor. So in his sermon, he referred to the church as Sarah's dead womb. That didn't go over well with the pastor. And it was like, that's a great example of someone who's trying to take something. It's a theft. You're given an opportunity to serve, and you're almost using it as an extortion to try to get an agenda across. And I'm telling you, the, the greatest servants are people who have nothing to gain. They're free. They, they, they're, you know, uh, they, don't, they don't want to take something that doesn't belong to them. They, they, they want to be freely giving. Yeah. So he used the word extortion, Jesus did. And then he mentioned this word here called self-indulgence. You know, the greatest servants are people who know how to deny themselves. That's what that means. self indulgent means that you, you can't say no to yourself. And I've watched this happen with people. This could be the reason why you're really not much of a servant because you haven't learned any maturity to just say, there's things that I should do, I don't, but I don't, I don't want to do them, so I'm not going to do them. That's why children's departments are so hard to staff at churches. Come on, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, uh, I remember, I saw, we had a young man show up at church one time. He, he had left the church. He was offended at the previous church that he was at. He said, uh, my dad died. And the people at that church never took care of my mom. She was a widow. And he was upset. They didn't take care of her. But I did have to remind him of 1 Timothy chapter 5, which says churches should take care of widows who really are widows. That if you have believing children, the children are actually required to take care of their parents. So, you know, we have this idea of of like people doing something else. There's no thought of denying myself to be a blessing to. My parents. We, hey, listen, I'm stepping on toes. It is hard to take care of parents. I know because before my mother got remarried, she would ask me to mow the yard, take, come over, fix projects. I thank God she married Dwayne. He can take care of that house. <laughs> but God really did use some of those moments to help mature me. I'm, I'm just trying to help the heart of purity, extortion, self indulgence. He he said, uh, you know, you. Uh, you're, you're beautiful outwardly, but inside full of dead man's bones in a decayed, corrupted state. And the thing I've discovered about like a heart of purity, when it's something real and you enjoy doing it, it's life-giving. It's, it's not dead and dying. I mean, I, I love to be able to be a blessing to people sometimes. You know that? It's, it's, it, it, one of the life-giving ways when you're a servant is it's going to create relationships around you. I mean, when people see that it's sincere and natural they want to buy into that. They want to be a part of that. I've made lifelong friends serving at churches in different places. I, 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 I'm sure I told the story one time in Seattle I was interning at church. They needed someone to do the kids ministry and my friend Corbett and I went back there and we sang Father Abraham has many sons until we ran out of body appendages. We got to the tongues. <laughs> and I just and I got to play Goliath on a stool. There's something life-giving about that moment. Yeah, But if... If it's all to be seen, it's no fun in your life because there's pressure around it. He said dead men's bones, and then Jesus talked about uncleanness. That means you've been washed from your sin. Man, there's something pure about being a servant, something wonderful. But, as I've been telling you, I have been in church long enough to watch people with ulterior motives. And there's an interesting verse, 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 6, which tells us that you should not take advantage of brothers or sisters through your serving to gain sexual advantage over them, because this does happen in churches. And I've watched it when people will use their position in order to take advantage of a sister, take advantage of people. I, I, I've seen it play out, man. Some guy might end up in a position of influence, and he's doing things, and before you know it, you're out running around two-timing on people. These things happen in churches because. If you don't have pure motives, that influence you have, you may not be able to handle. This is what Jesus is hitting hard on these people. He's saying, you don't want to do your works to be seen by people. You want it to be pure. You know, there's something about sin that is real stinky. It's yucky. It sticks to you. It's sleazy. It makes you feel dirty. If you've engaged in sin, it's it's never a pure feeling. It always wears on you. You want to be a person who's serving God with clean hands and a pure heart. You know, the guy that wrote that himself experienced the same thing. Clean hands and a pure heart. Uh, He said, if if you're really going to serve people, you don't want to be filled with hypocrisy. This is the number one criticism Jesus had of the Pharisees. You know, hypocrisy, really what it means is you're just two-faced, pretentious. It's the opposite of sincerity. I feel like we live in a disingenuous, insincere society thanks to social media. And when I come across someone who I perceive is sincere, They've got clean hands, a pure heart. Man, that blesses me. I see it a lot more in older people than I see it in younger people. But I'm looking for sincerity in the heart of somebody. That's what Jesus said is what would make you great in the kingdom. A sincere person who's honest, open before the Lord. I mean, people like that really bless me. I'm always looking for sincerity in the heart of a person. that That's a pure heart, a sincere heart. And I love sincere people because I've met so many posers and jokers and fakers in the society we live in. He talked about hypocrisy, and then he mentioned the word lawlessness, which is rebellion. I, one of the great ways that you can really have a pure heart is when you're willing to submit to authority, not be a rebel, or unite yourself with the vision of the house and what's taking place. Because I have discovered something. When people get cynical, usually the most cynical Christians are people who had great potential, but through bad decisions or wounds or because they wouldn't unite and, and couldn't get in the same page with people, they, they end up missing out on what God has for them and become very cynical. Man, I've seen it play out. It's a terrifying thing. And what, what blesses me in this house is I, I'm preaching to a room full of people who love to be servants, man. I know people who want to do it. When you have opportunities, you step up to the plate. That blesses me. That creates a great culture. I I, I just love watching people who are willing to just say, yeah, choose me. I'll serve. I'll be a blessing. Man, that encourages me. Because, you know, at 40 years old, I'm really not interested in being the best ball player anymore. What I am interested in being is one of the greatest in the kingdom. I want to be a blessing and useful to everyone that's around me. Amen. I want to be great in the kingdom of God. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. If you want to be used by the Lord, if you really want to be one of the greatest in the kingdom, the place we start is with the love of God, just being secure in who you are. And this is really one of the biggest roadblocks that stops people from serving is entity or a purpose. And, and really genuine serving should just flow to the fact that, man, God loves me. He paid a price for my soul and I want to return the favor to him. Boy, that's a beautiful thing. But I talked to a lot of Christians who have intellectual knowledge of His love, but they don't, it's not alive and real. And I'm telling you, it, it, it can be real. You can know and sense the love of God in your heart. That's what He wants for it. He wants a revelation of that. He said, He loved us because we, we love Him because He first loved us. And maybe this morning you don't have a deep sense of God's love. That could be the reason that's holding you back from things. You're, you're really not consumed and raptured by His love. Or maybe it has to do with, you know, keeping your heart right, which can be quite a challenge in these days that we live in. Maybe you got offended. Maybe you're bitter. Maybe you, you, you didn't feel like you got recognized in what you were doing. And so as a result, you just, you know, you don't want to serve anyone. You don't want to be a blessing to people. And, and keeping that heart right, man, that's a challenge. That's what the scripture says. Keep, I want to keep my heart right. Here. Keep and guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. There's something about keeping and protecting your heart where you're not letting the things of the world or offenses or bitterness creep in. Little foxes, that's what the Bible calls them. You know, the thing about a heart is it's too small for the kingdom of God and for yourself. You want to have that heart filled with His love, free of bitterness, free of offenses, so it's untangled. You can be a servant. Yeah. Clean hands and a pure heart. I mean, a heart that's that's purity, yeah, I mean, that means you, you lay down some things in your life. Lay down your ego. Lay down your pride. I know people who can't serve because, you know, it, it, it's like they, they've got, their eyes are always on the ends of the earth. That's what the scripture says. One of my mentors, he said he'd hire people, or they, they would come in for applying and they would put them on uh, the staple machine, you know, doing papers. One guy came in there, he said, well, I don't, I don't staple manuals together. And the secretary who was training him said, oh, well, this won't take very long then. And they never did bring him back in for the second part of the interview. Because <laughs> it's about being a servant. And I don't know, maybe in your life, you know, you, you you see opportunities where you missed or you want to grow as a servant. I just want to pray that in your life. I want to pray the love of God. when We lay down pride and egos and, and that we would really be people that are useful in the eyes of the Lord. Can we pray that? Yeah. Father, I just thank you for a room full of people eager to serve you, hungry. Lord, I pray for your love. I pray it would penetrate. I pray it would open up hearts and minds. Lord, I pray it would be re- revealed to us so that we could know beyond the shadow of a doubt, rooted and grounded in God's love. I pray that just what, you, what the Apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians 3, rooted and grounded in the love of God so that we could be a blessing to those around us. Thank you for secure leaders. And I pray, Lord, for people who just want to be a blessing in every way they can be. Our hearts are protected, kept right, walking with you. We're just thankful, Lord, for your encouragement. We, we want to be blessed to be your servants. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. You know, a- after the service today, we're doing our Next Steps class. So that's for anyone who's you know, looking forward to you know, helping out and, 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 and just getting to know who we are. Uh, we'd love to connect with you. We want every member to be a minister and it's something about it so we got plenty of food because I had a couple people who couldn't make it so if you want to get a bite to eat we will have you back there with us and you can hear a little bit about the heart and the vision of the church can you put the music back on you know I was sitting here and I was uh, in the service as I was praying about servanthood and I was so blessed for the first time in a long time I see my friend Julie Urso in here now, Julie has been working with Pastor David yeah For now this might be the first service she's been in here in how long? a long time man too long yeah, so will you stand up, Julie? I, I, was, I saw you cross the room, sit here, because you weren't even supposed to be here today. I want First of all, I want to recognize you. I'm grateful you're going to be in here. Yeah, no. And I know you, so I know you're not serving for recognition, but I did sense in my spirit that sometimes you have that question like everyone else does, is what I'm doing seen by people, that people notice it. And I'm just letting you know that people may not appreciate it, but God does He sees the little things, Julie, those late nights, those little attention, to the efforts that you make that other people don't see. And you and Jeff are some of the greatest servants that I know, and you encourage me so much. So I do want to honor you. And you know what happens to people like you, Julie? God promotes them. Yeah, seasons change. And the things that you have done over all these years, I'm telling you, there's a tremendous harvest on that. God is going to bless that immensely, make it fruitful. So thank you, Julie. Amen, amen. Yeah. Will you stand up with us this morning? Man, there's something about Jesus being a servant. He came to seek and save that which was lost. That was me. That was you. And maybe this morning you're not right with the Lord. And he might be tugging at your heart, man. You might be lost. He's like a hound. And he knows how to seek people out. And maybe maybe he's just tugging at your heart. Anyone who's maybe drifted away from the Lord, if I could get every head bowed, every eye closed, I'd like to pray with you. Tugging at you, desiring to be with you, wants to be in your life. And if that's you this morning, if you drifted away, if you know you're not right with the Lord, I want you to put a hand up. I want to pray. Because he knows how to seek you down. He knows how to find you. Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand. Why don't you just pray with me? Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Change me from the inside out. I want to know you. I want to be used in your kingdom in greater ways. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer and you're sincere, man, God you, you're a candidate for someone that God wants to use. And be a blessing, amen. So, Hey, we love you all very much, man. It's been great to have you. I want to just uh, mention that I had teen challenges here. Where are my teen challenges, friends? I've been teaching these guys Bible study. And they have been such a blessing. It's wonderful to watch all the growth that they have made in their lives. These are men who are pressing into the things of God. And I'm so proud of you guys for the stuff that you've overcome, man. Good things ahead for you in the days ahead. So we bless you. We love you all very much. We'll catch you all next Sunday. If you want to get a meal and learn about our church, we'd love to have you join us for the Next Steps class, which is taking place in the Fellowship Hall in about a half hour. We love you. We bless you. If you want prayer, the altar is open. Man, I'd love to pray with you.